theyeshiva.net. What we're going to learn today is it's an interesting, uh, an interesting item that we're going to learn today. It's a sicha, a sicha, a shear, an address presented by the Lubavitcher Rebbe on Beis Shvat, the second day of Shvat, Parshas Boy, Tovshin Chavdalad, the beginning of 1964, to the graduating class of students of the girls' school Beis Rivka, the Talmidoy Samasimus of Beis Rivka, and uh, they entered into the room of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, I guess with some of their mentors or teachers, principals. And the Lubavitcher Rebbe shared these words with them that were later written down and reviewed by the Rebbe and published in Lukutei Sichais, Volume 4, Lukutei Sichais Chelek Dalet, in the Haisafais at the end of the Lukutei Sichais, there's different editions in Parsha's Boy. This is on page 1263, as you could see in your source sheets. It's in Yiddish. He spoke to the girls in Yiddish. And uh, I'll translate in English and I'll explain. In this shir, in this sicha, the Rebbe takes a medrash. It's a famous medrash on Parsha's boy. Famous, I mean, famous for those people who learn medrash. But it's extremely enigmatic. It's, um, at first glance, it seems incomprehensible. Just words, semantics, ostensibly. And the Rebbe goes on to reveal to these girls and explain to them the incredible, profound message in this medrash. So let's begin. You probably have heard of the Vart, the insight of the Alter Rebbe, who explained that there is so much that a Jew can extract from the parsha of the week. The Alter Rebbe actually said one should live with the times. And his son explained that what he meant was the parsha. Live with the times means live with the parsha. The parsha that you begin reading Shabbos at the end of the previous week, meaning Shabbos afternoon, Shabbos by Mincha. And then you complete a whole parsha, the next Shabbos, so the week is sandwiched between Shabbos afternoon, Mincha, and the next Shabbos, that week is connected to a particular parsha from which one can extract so much for life. The parsha from Ein Tegavach is parsha's boy. He says, this week's parsha, parsha's boy, when he's speaking to the Beis Rifka girls, again it was parsha's boy, the beginning of Shvat, Beis Shvat, Chavdalad, 1964. We have Hashem telling Moshe, the famous first mitzvah given to the Jewish people, Hashem tells Moshe, this is before the Exodus, two weeks before the Exodus of Egypt. He says, This week is the, this month is the head of all the months. It's the first of the months of the year. On these words, there's a medrash. Medrash is, of course, the oral tradition that was transmitted and explained by the sages the rabbinic Talmudic sages, the Tanoim, and then later recorded in Medrash Rabbah on Chumash. And this is a Medrash of Parashat He says, at first glance, it's not completely comprehensible. The Medrash, 
Zakt if achedish azalachem. The Medrash on the words achedish azalachem, as he puts it in footnote two, it's Medrash Rabbah Shmais, Parsha Tesvav, section 11, Tesvav Yeralv. The Medrash says on the words achedish azalachem, what is the main from lachem? What's the meaning lachem? Achedish azalachem, this month, lachem, to you, should be the head of the months. What, what is the idea to you? Achedish azalachem. So the Medrash says as follows. When Hashem chose his world, in the Medrash, when Hashem chose his world, he established the head of months and the head of years. He established a system. There's months, there are years, and every month has a head, has the beginning of the month, and every year has the beginning of the year. In other words, days that are designated to be Rosh Chodesh and days that are designated to be Rosh Hashanah. This is when Hashem chose his world. But then when he chose Yaakov and his children, when he chose the Jewish people, now he established what the Medrash calls Rosh the head of the month of the month of redemption. And that's what the Pasuk means, this month is the head of the months. It's the first of the months for you guys. Because when you talk about the whole world, the universal Rosh Hashanah, the universal Rosh Chodesh, he says when God chose the world, he already chose that every month should have a beginning and every year should have a beginning. That's universal. Then there's HaChodesh HaZelachem, when he chose Jacob and his children, when he gave the Jewish people their unique mission when he takes them out of Egypt and will bring them to Sinai and give them the Torah, now something new happens. He chooses for them and he establishes a new month the head of a new month of the month of redemption, which is, of course, the month of Nisan. That's the month when the Jewish people were emancipated from their Egyptian bondage. And the first day of the month of Nisan is called Rosh Chodesh, which means the head of the month of Nisan. By the way, the word Chodesh, which is month in Hebrew, comes from the word Chidush, which means new, because it's the birth of the new moon. When the new moon appears for the first time, that's when the witnesses would testify that they saw the new moon, and that became the new day of the month, Rosh Chodesh, like today. Today it's already established in a calendar, but that's basically the system. So the first month of the months of the year is Nisan, which is the month of redemption, and Hashem gave them the Rishchidosh. This is this is the month of redemption, and this is the head of the month of redemption. So this is a special connection to the Jewish people. What does this mean? This doesn't seem to be understandable. Was ist das Bechlal der Sache, als man sagt, aber schaut, der Eberste Kleibt ist der Welt, ist damit, dass er Kaveh, Rosh Chodesh und Beschonen. Und in Welt Gufe, als er Kleibt ist, der noch jeden, von zwischen der Welt, dass er Kaveh ist, als er Rosh Chodesh und Gul. Both statements, both passages in the Medrash don't seem to be comprehensible. What's this idea? When Hashem, when God chooses the world, somehow He's compelled that I have to establish the heads of months and have to establish Rosh Hashanah as the heads of years. Now comes step two. In the world itself, when I choose the Jewish people from among all of the rest of the peoples of the world, now God establishes the head of the month of redemption. What, what, is, what is the theme behind this? What is the Medrash, what is the Medrash trying to say with this? 
So, you know, we read it. Yeah, it sounds nice. What's, what's the meaning? Here is one of the explanations, and the Rebbe says we're going to bring out only the point. In other words, it can be elaborated upon at great length, but this is the Nukud of the point. Sight, the, the topic we're going to be addressing is time management. How you deal with time. What's our relationship with time? How do we view time? Zeit, Zeit is Yiddish for time. Zeit is wenn man tut der mit gar nicht, oder in andere Welten, wenn man sich nicht mehr stadel machen an Unterschied, von dem Tag bis an andere Tag, von der Woche bis an andere Woche, ist demolt, demolt, teilen sich nicht aus der 24 Schaf von dem Messlas, von der 24 Schaf von an anderen Messlas. Time, when I do nothing with it, <laughs> I just do nothing with it. I just let it, let it pass. Or in other words, when I don't work, when I don't put in an effort to differentiate, to distinguish between one day from another day, between one week from another week, then indeed there is no conspicuous distinction between one set of 24 hours and another set of 24 hours. It's all the same. <laughs> Und das ist, was der Medrisch streicht unter, wenn die Welt ist beschaffen geworden. Mit seit Bria allein ist demmelt seit Minute in Welt, als es dann unterschieden seid. Sie können durchgehen ein Tag und ein Woche und ein Chedisch und ein Jahr und keine Sachen sollen nicht ändern. That's what the Medrisch says. The world on its own, the Bria on its own, as the world was created, you do not see conspicuously in the world a difference in time. Time just passes. What's the difference between one set of 24 hours, another set of 24 hours, one week, another week, one month, one year? A day can pass, a week can pass, a month can pass, a year can pass. And there's no change besides the natural changes of things getting older and older. What did Aristotle ask his students? He said, who is the greatest teacher who kills all of his students? And the answer is time. <laughs> time is the greatest teacher, but it kills all of its students. So he says, time on its own. What's the difference? A day passes, another day passes, another. So if somebody is just a couch potato, somebody just does nothing with their time, the Medrash says, the world itself was created in a way that you can't distinguish between one week, another week, one year, another year, one month, another month. There is creation, and there is when God chose his world. Und Tongeber von der ganzen Chodesh. Tongeber, Tongiver. Weil das ist der Teil von Rosh Hashanah. Und am anderen Tag wird der Tag, was er ist, der Kopf von der ganzen Jahr. Was demot wird er angerufen, Rosh Hashanah. Says the Medrash, when Hashem chooses his world, the first thing is, he establishes, there's a head of a month, and there's the head of a year. The concept of a head is not just the beginning. 
the head sets the tone for the entire body. The nervous system is responsible. It governs the entire organism. In the head you have the entire organism included in the head. It's run, it's governed, it's directed, it's planned by the head. So when he says, when Hashem chose his world, creation itself on its own, time just flows and passes and one can just sit and do nothing and there's no differentiation. What do they say? Another day bites the dust and another month bites the dust and another year bites the dust. But when Hashem chose his world, meaning he had a desire to choose his world, it should become an object of choice. Not just he created the world. He created the world, that's also a big thing. But to turn it into something that you want to choose it. This is your choice. This is your love. This is your passion. How do you make the world into something that is not just a creation? It doesn't just seem like a random creation but something that it's his choice in life. There are things that we have, but how do I turn it into something that is my passion? It's my desire, it's my choice, that God says, I want to choose this world. Ah. Here, we need to give meaning to life. This is when I create, I create a distinction between one set of 24 hours and another unit of 24 hours. In other words, days are productive. Days are meaningful. I grow, he says, you grow in your days. Every day, I challenge myself. Every day there is stimulation. Every day I learn something new. Every day is utilized. Utilized in a productive way. In a meaningful way. In a thoughtful way. I reckon with the passage of time. I'm aware of the fact a day has passed. How have I grown in this day? How have I grown and stimulated myself and went into a deeper place in this day? He says to the point that there is a day that you establish as the Rosh Chodesh, as the head. It's the tone giver of the month. In other words, there are goals. A head has goals for the body. The body doesn't just function randomly without a plan. The brain plans, how are we gonna, how am I going to live right now? And as we know, the sophistication and the depth of the brain is incredible. So when a person lives with consciousness, when a person lives with awareness, when I'm not just living a superficial, random life without values, without consequences, I'm a couch potato, I do nothing. You could do that. <laughs> it's a choice everybody makes. But when there's a choice in the world, your world becomes a choice, life becomes a choice. In other words, life has meaning. I have a desire in life. Now God establishes the heads of months and the heads of years. In other words, there's a day that gives the tone for the month. That's called Rashi Chadashim. And then there's a day that becomes the head of a year. It gives the tone of a year. In other words, every year has goals. Every month, every month has goals. There are things I accomplish. Men unterstreicht zwei Zeitabschnitten von Chodesh und Shana. Beautiful Yiddish. Ah. Man unterstreicht die zwei Zeitabschnitten. <laughs> Not many people know that word. Von Chodesh und Shana. We emphasize particularly two units of time. Zeitabschnitt is ways in which we define and cut off time. Month and year. Weil, bechal is doch der Schöne als Mann mit Zadabriya, die das tolle abhängig von dem Shemesh und der Levana. Was mit Zadalavana tellt sich die Zeit auf Chadashim. 
Und mit seiner Sohn teilt sich die Zeit auf Schonne. Und in dem Chodesh und in der Schonne ist das nicht ein Tag wie alle Tag, nur mit der Woche, nach Kodesh Baruch Hu bei Lamai. Ist dem und wird ein Unterschied. Es ist da ein Tag, was er wird ein Kopf. Punkt also, wie ein Kopf fährt an mit alle, warum also fährt er an mit dem Tag, was kommt nach ihm, durch was kann das werden? Durch dem, was ein Mensch hebt an Arbeiten auf ausnutzende Zeit. Und machen davon ein Kli, also werden angefüllt mit der Teuchen, was Bacher, Akadosh Baruch Hu von Zedek und Yosher und Teuf. There are two units of time when we look at the astronomical facts of creation, based what we call the lunar cycle and the solar cycle. The lunar cycle is what allows us to have months, because the moon finishes its orbit after 29 and a half days, and then it begins its orbit around the earth once again. So based on the lunar cycle, the lunar movement, we have months, which are approximately 29 or 30 days. The solar cycle is very different. The solar cycle is completed after 365 days, and that makes up a year. So that's why the Medrash chooses these two units of time. The Medrash doesn't say, for example, a week. The Medrash says a month and a year. Because you have months and years naturally. That's part of how the world functions. That's part of how our planet and the entire universe functions. But when Hashem chose His world, in other words, when the world becomes a place of choice, when I'm not just living without consciousness, when I'm not living without awareness, when my life assumes an inner passion, an inner desire, an inner meaning, an inner choice, now these days are not just days like every day. When God chooses the world, then every day has its unique distinctiveness, its unique message, its unique meaning, its unique purpose, its unique zeitgeist, its unique opportunities. And then there is that day, Rish which becomes like a head, similar to the brain, leading all of the parts of the body. This is the head of the month that leads and inspires all the day of the month. So you have two units, Rosh and Rosh Hashanah, which represents both the moon and the sun. And hence the beginning of a month and the beginning of a year. How does this happen? Through human productivity, I utilize my time. And I use the time to turn it into a conduit, into a vessel, a model, a modality that should be filled up. Time could be filled up with toichen, with content, with substance. And a substance that God chooses, he says, with justice, with righteousness, with goodness. You don't just let a day and a week and a month and a year pass without meaning. Every day I want to ask myself, was this a day that was worthwhile to live? You know, they tell an old anecdote. I don't know if it's true, but the lesson is very powerful. There was once a fire in upstate in New York, and a fireman ran into the, to the home, to the structure that was ablaze, and there was a person there who was crippled, and he could not run out on his own, so the fireman fetched him. And he retrieved him from the burning building and he rescued him. And as they came to safety, this man looked at the fireman and he said, you know, I'm a man of means and I would like to reward you handsomely for what you have done for me. You've saved my life. Name your price. And the fireman says, I didn't do this for money. I was just doing my job. He says, don't be foolish. I know you were doing your job, but I want to pay you. He says, listen, I'm comfortable. I make a living. I don't feel comfortable taking money for saving a person's life. He says, but I want to reward you for what you have done. Tell me how I can reward you. The man looks at him, you want to reward me, then I'll ask you for one favor. Live a life that was worth saving. 
live a life that would be worth choosing. Live a life that is worthwhile to choose. It's a life that you choose. It's a life that's, that has a compass. In other words, it has a Rosh Hashanah. It has a Rosh Chodesh. Your time has a head. Now, time doesn't have a head. There's a day and another day, another day. No difference. After a week, what happened? Seven days passed, new week. After a month, okay, the moon started its orbit again. Thank you, moon. <laughs> a year ends. Okay, it's a new year. 2021, 2022, a new year. <laughs> Whenever the new year of a particular culture is, of course, the new year, universal new year, the Jewish people established as Rosh Hashanah. Which is, which is connected to the whole world. The first day of Tishrei. But astronomically, you may say, okay, so, <laughs> there's a new lunar cycle, there's a new solar cycle. But when we make it worth saving and savoring, we cherish it. I say, a day is an opportunity. An hour is an opportunity. A minute is an opportunity. Even a second is an opportunity. Das is wie man arbeit in Weltgufe, um man wird nicht ausgelöst von der Welt. This is step one. So we have meaningless time, depressing time, time that just passes without any content infused in the time. That's life itself without human initiative. That's like depressing time, meaningless time. Then there is productive time when God chooses the world. Meaning, when we recognize there is a creator, there is meaning, there's purpose. Each of us have a a role to make the world a better place, to leave the world a little better than it was when we came in. Every day is an opportunity to make a difference, to bring more justice, more righteousness, more goodness into the world. Or as Rab Aaron says, to be an ambassador of love and light and hope, or at least an ambassador in training. Then, a day is a meaningful day. It's a productive day. I go to sleep and I could look back at the day and say, something happened. There was growth. I learned something new about myself. I learned something new about my spouse. I learned something new about my child. I learned something new about mankind. I learned something new about my friend, about my disciple, about my student. There was growth, physical growth, emotional growth, financial growth, psychological growth, spiritual growth. The time is infused with something. This is called you choose life. You realize that the world was a chosen place. The world is a desired place. There's meaning in life. Now we go to step three. Das is wie man arbeit in Welt gufe, man wird nicht ausgelöst von Welt. This is how we work. One who works within the world, but I'm never emancipated from the tyranny of time. I'm never emancipated from the world. Then there is a system. We try to make a difference in the world. That's called being a productive person. A custodian of our planet a proud member of human civilization. So there are days where I work even harder and I accomplish more and it becomes a tone setter and this day becomes a head. 
like the distinction between the head and other parts of the limbs. There is a day that can be compared to an arm and a day that can be compared to a leg and a torso and a heart. Every day has its unique function. And then there are those days where I really, you know, really put in a lot of work and really challenge myself and this becomes a head. But this is all within the structure of our planet. This is with all within the structure of creation. We are all created beings and we all live under the tyranny of the calendar, the tyranny of time. There's nothing I can do to slow it, to slow it down. As somebody once said, the greatest thief in history is time. You know, it comes and it grabs everything away and it's gone. The old stuff are gone. He says, Abedas is nachnit king Das is noch nicht ausgelöst geworden von der Hagbolus, von der Bagrenitzingen, was Welt macht. Das ist in Weltgufe, kleid man aus Harven. Und nicht, dass man so stuppende Zeit und so laweggen a Tag nach a Tag und a Woch nach a Woch anänderungen. I'm still not in a state of redemptiveness. I was not emancipated from the tyranny of time, from the limitations that are part of life. Time changes everybody. Yes, I can be a productive citizen. I can try to make every day meaningful and exciting and special in its own way. Yes, there are differences between days. There is the challenge of Sunday and the opportunity of Monday and the gift of Tuesday and the goal of Wednesday and the mission of Thursday. (laughs) I wanted to say the anxiety of Friday, but I'm not going to do that. And the unique energy of Friday and then, of course, Shabbos. There's every month, you know, Shvat has its energy and other and Nisan and Ir, etc. If you want to do your January, your February, your March. But ultimately, there's a structure. I can't liberate myself from the structure. We live in, a, in the limits. We live under the tyranny of time. They say an old joke. There was a rabbi. He would give long sermons. And he was once giving a very, very long sermon. And the crowd evacuated the shul at some point. But one man stayed. Finally, when the rabbi finished, he goes over to the guy and he says, thank you for sticking it out and I'm so sorry that I went for so long. What should I do? There was no clock on the wall. The man says there was no clock on the wall, but there was a calendar on the wall. So the time moves. (laughs) It's an oldie, but it's a good one, right? (laughs) So time moves. Time moves. There's nothing I can do about it, right? We get older. (laughs) We get older and older and older and, you know, you look at your beard, you see you get a little older, you look at your kids, you see they're growing up. So within the structure of the world itself, the Rebbe says you can choose a life of apathy, a life of meaninglessness, or I can choose to work hard. He says in Yiddish, it's a very interesting expression. You don't just push the time, which means just let the time pass like a couch potato. You don't allow a day to pass, one day, another day, one week, another week, without any change, without any movement, without any conscious growth. But I'm still under the tyranny and control and rulership and dominance of time. How could I not be? I live within a limited structure. I'm a creature like every creature, and time passes for each and every one of us, and nobody can have that clock stop. If you can figure out how, please... Then Hashem comes and says, We're not there yet. Von die Bagrenitzigen vom Welt, as er so sein Geula, 
Oiz gelezt werden von der Hagbalus und der Bagranitzigen, was Welt hat. When Hashem chooses Jacob and his children, in other words, when Hashem chooses a nation, and he wants that this nation should become a nation that embodies transcendence, he elevated this nation from among all the constraints that a world on its own may represent. How does this happen? He says, when this nation tries, puts in an effort to transcend, to emancipate itself from the tyranny and the belief that we are just limited, finite people. This is what Gu'ula means. Gu'ula is when we cultivate a redemptive consciousness. When I allow ourselves, when we allow ourselves to be liberated, oizgeleist, emancipated from the limitations of the world. But you might say that's absurd. <laughs> there are laws of biology. There are laws of nature. There is time. There is space. Every creature has its limitations. Time is one of them. But Einstein told us time is relative. Even time is relative. Even time is a certain dimension of physical reality. And it's also subject to flux. So now if you take it on a deeper spiritual level, the Rebbe says, here, when Hashem chooses Yaakov and his children, it says he establishes the head of the month of redemption. Rishchodesh is not just a day of the month that is separated from the other days in the sense that it gives the tone for the month. No. It's unique in the sense that it's called It's the head of a month of redemption. In other words, this is a person who establishes his or her life in a way that you could see that this person is in their own consciousness, emancipated from all of the limitations that exist even after I am a productive citizen and work hard to infuse my days with good and productive goals and purposes in the world. For Gallus Mitzrayim Kipshutai, und das is Echaremes of Gallus from the Algemeine Einstellung in Mitzrayim von Welt, but das is Ech with the Medrash Ruf the Sonna, das is Chodeshel Gula in Welt Gufa, was man kleibt eis von der Welt a Teil, as I'll stay in Hech with the ganze Welt. This is reflected also in the simple meaning of the words of the Medrash. What are the two months we're talking about? There's Tishrei and there's Nissen. The month of Gula is Nissen. The regular month of Rosh Hashanah is Tishrei. That's when the Rosh Hashanah is, the first day of Tishrei. So when God chooses the world, He establishes Rosh Hashanah and Tishrei. When God chooses Yaakov and Banav, the new year begins with Nisan. And Rosh Hashanah Nisan becomes the head of the year. 
the first month of the year, but that's a different system. It's the system of Geula. Because Tishrei represents living a life that adheres and is consistent with the nature of reality from an external perspective. It's a limited world. We live in a world conforming to the limits of the world. But, he says, it's a frumavelt. It's a frumavelt. A, a, a world that has meaning, a world that has ethics, a world that has morality. Nissen comes from the word nais. The Gemara says in Brachas, a person has a dream. Nissen, miracles upon miracles happen to you. Nissen comes from the word nais. Because in the month of Nissen, that's when the miracles began to occur with the Jewish people. They got out from this Egyptian bondage and exile, but it also represents the concept of exile, which means the fact that we find ourselves often hostage to the tyranny of time, to the past, to things I have done in the past the things I just did in the present, a minute ago, a year ago, a month ago, and I regret it. We find ourselves stuck in certain realities, in certain paradigms, in certain behaviors. Our neural pathways are fixed. The highways with which in which we travel during our life, psychological highways, emotional highways, are called Mitzrayim, which means they're restricted. Mitzrayim means restrictions, limitations. Comes Rosh Chodesh Nissen, it's a month of Geula, that within the world that God chose, He cho- cho- chooses a dimension and a people that should represent the ability to transcend and go above, and thus experience redemptiveness. But what does this mean in terms of time? Says the Rebbe, they close the Kelimud with the Medrash Teichstein in the Parsha from the Heintik Sedra. This is the lesson that the Medrash is teaching us in this week's parasha. There's a month that belongs to you. It's a month of redemption. What does this mean? The tzayt is azach was his upgegeben yavonans of the mishus for the mansion on the hotten them dry meglechkaiten. Time was given to a person. Each of us has time. Every one of us was given the gift of time. But I have three choices. You could just let the time pass and run right by you. Again, one model is, I just let the time pass. I just let my life run by me. I do not get involved, he says, with all the faculties of my soul. I don't conquer my time. I don't infuse my time with my identity, with my full presence, with my energy, with my stamina, with my, my creativity. I'm just like a passive victim allowing, you know, a day to pass, another day to pass. He says, that's the first step. It's more or less called depressing time or meaningless time. He says, you can't then even call it a world of choice. He says, it's a world that we call oilam. The world oilam comes from the world of concealment, which means you don't see in the world any meaning, anything besides external materialism. There's no meaning to it. There's no purposeness to it. There's no oneness. There's no spirituality to it. He says, all it is, is the external, just an external reality of blah. 
You know, just it's it's a blah it's 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 a blah world. It's a world devoid of 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 of, of goals, of, of meaning, of purpose. He says, Chaimer Vigeshem, just brute materialism. Brute materialism. Everything is just a machine. We happen to be lucky that we ended up here essentially. You know, we all come from the prebiotic soup that happened to explode at some point and with great fortune and luck, completely unexpected, managed to form a planet that uh, supports the reality of life. But but that's it, it is. That's, that's what it is. And every one of us is just a real random mutation. So you just let time go, and I guess, you know, <laughs> you make the best out of it, but the real, there, there's, a, there's an emptiness in it. There's an emptiness in it. And he says, a person could live that way. The Rebbe acknowledges a person could live this way. That could become my philosophy. He says, that's what oilam is. The word oilam means a world of concealment. There's no presence of anything deeper, of any consciousness. I wasn't conceived in love. I wasn't conceived, conceived with purpose. But he says, Now we go to step two. There's a deeper way of living and that's what it means when God chooses His world. There's a second level. The world becomes a place of choice. Yes. I can't liberate myself from the tyranny of time, from the limitations of world of the world. But as much as I can, I work with myself and I work with my environment according to our limitations. And then the world becomes a good place, a place of choice, a place of meaning. Every day, therefore, is infused with my creativity, with my hard work, with my energy, with my love, with my compassion. Life has meaning. Then the Rebbe says, but there's a third step. And then there's the ultimate, when I can align the world with infinity. This is the work with myself and the work with the world around me to transform the world into something that is beyond the world. This is called Geula. I don't just infuse my time with productivity. I align my time with eternity. So every moment of time is not just a limited moment of time that passes and never comes back, but rather every moment of time is infused with something that is divine, transcendent, and therefore eternal. So the time itself becomes timeless. This is the ability to reach back in time to reach into the present, to reach into the future. It's where my time becomes not just a reflection of something productive, but each moment of time is infused with something that will never die, that will never perish, that will never dissipate. When a Jew, when a person takes an hour, a moment of time, and infuses this moment of time with godliness, with something that is truly eternal and ultimately true, authentic, something that is eternal, then it's not just a moment of time that was used in a productive way. It's not just a moment of time that you could say, you know, this was a good day. Yes, it was a good day. But it's also a day that's an eternal day. 
It's a life that's an eternal life. Why? Because the person is not just living in a productive way, but the person lives in a world that is not limited. I don't live in a fixed world, in a very limited world, subject to the tyranny of time, but rather I realize, as the expression, I could see eternity in an hour. (laughs) Hold infinity, William Blake, hold infinity in the palm of your hand and see eternity in an hour. The ability to be able to see every hour as an opportunity for complete transformation, for transcendence, for infinite growth. I align the world with the Creator who's infinite, and therefore every moment of life becomes a manifestation of that infinity. That's the third level of time. There's depressing time, (laughs) there's meaningful time, And then there's emancipated time, or infinite time. The rest, I'm going to translate, the rest of the talk of the Rebbe to these girls. He says, this is also one of the main points of Jewish education. What's the purpose of education in general? This is 1964. He says, general schools, what we would call public school system, the Rebbe is talking in 64. General schools, the public school system, what is the purpose of education? You want to give every child an opportunity to take science, to take wisdom, to take all of the subjects that they study and to use them, to use them in a productive way. But it's always within the realms, the realm of nature, of the world, of society. But A good public school and a good education of all civilizations, of all community civilizations, is one that embeds in the children a sensitivity to justice, a sensitivity to righteousness, a sensitivity to use science, to use math, to use biology, to use social studies, to use all the subjects to make the world a better place. That's not a Jewish education. That's a good menschliche education that every child deserves. Then there is when God chooses Yaakov and his children. The choice of the Jewish people, you chose us. Here the purpose is that we work with ourselves and we also influence the people around ourselves to live in a place of geula. That I should not be limited to the social conventions only even the part of the world that is more refined, that is more moral. On the contrary, I transform the world and make it into a home for godliness, for divinity, that Hashem says, I will dwell here. So what this means is, there is a regular education that teaches kids to be productive, to be good citizens, to be good people. And all the subjects in school have to lead to values that enhance life. Even this is novel today, right? This is just to live in a world that's a good place. But then there's the Jewish education. The Jewish education teaches me. I could live in a world, but I'm still in an exiled space. To live in a world that is a liberated world and to live a life that's liberated. I'm not stuck in any particular space. I'm not even stuck in the finite spaces of time and space, I always have the ability to touch that which is infinite, that which is divine, that which is transcendence. I take the world and I turn it into a place that is a manifested vessel and conduit for godliness. And Hashem transcends all of the limitations of the world. 
He says, this is one of the purposes that my father-in-law, the Rebbe, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, founded the school system of Beis Rivka. In Beis Rivka, they learn holy studies, Jewish studies, and secular studies. But the purpose was that even when you learn secular studies, the learning should be in a way that you sublimate and you utilize the secular studies, number one, to make this world a place that God chose. In other words, all secular studies must be used for goodness, for productivity. Furthermore, step three, to be able to use it for holiness, not just for goodness, but for holiness. You use all of your studies, whatever you're learning in school, to realize that each and every one of them could become a vessel to hold godliness. Because everything you learn could become a conduit to, for the awareness of Hashem. And therefore I hope, since this is an institution that my father-in-law instituted and he invested his energies in it, that every one of you and all of you together will consider the fact that you have graduated this phase in your life, you have graduated by Srifka. You shouldn't look at it as a graduation, you ended your studies. No. This is a preparation to go into yet a deeper place, to go to the seminars, the seminary, and the purpose is development. First, choose your life, choose your world, utilize all your opportunities to cultivate goodness, righteousness, morality, justice, and this shall become a preparation to go yet to a deeper phase, which is the ultimate purpose of a Jewish child, that we can liberate ourselves from all of the limitations of life and all of the limitations of the world. You don't live in a limited world. You live in a redeemed world. You don't live in an exiled psyche. You live in an emancipated psyche, in a divine psyche, something that you can also impact your environment with. How? You will continue learning the way you should be learning. And the learning should translate into action. So then you can live a life of redemptiveness. Your own ge'ula, the ge'ula of your environment. So that you build up something that God can say, I dwell right here. Your life becomes a Beis Hamikdash, a sanctuary where Hashem actually lives. You become a conduit where divine oneness lives. And this becomes the method to bring the whole world and redeem it completely with the coming of Mashiach, Hashem should succeed all of you, that your graduation of these classes where you were learning should only be a beginning to go into a yet a higher phase in life to the, to the point that we should be able to look at you and see in you that God has chosen His world and see in you something even deeper, which is Ku'ula. In other words, we should be able to see at you that you are really those people that represent a world that's chosen and represent a world of redemption. In other words, each and every one of you should be able to reflect that true description that the Torah gives to every Jewish girl, to be able to see in you who you really are, a daughter of Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah, the mothers of every single one of the Jewish people, and as the Pasuk says in Yechaskel, like mother, like daughter. So you all reflect Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Valeya. You should be successful in finishing your studies, and we should always hear from you good news. This is the summation of the Rebbe Sicha, Beis Shvat, Tavshin Chavdalat 64, to the graduating class of Beis Rivka, teaching these young teens how to look at time, how to look at life, and how to operate on different levels of consciousness that they have to choose every day and every moment.
Okay, we'll take some questions. Somebody writes, I'm supposed to be speaking to Beisrifka alumni, <laughs> thinking about canceling my agreement to speak. Almost did it make class today. Wow, <laughs> how fortunate I am to be here right now. Because she's supposed to speak to the Beisrifka alumni. She didn't want to come to, she thought she's not coming today to our class, but she's here and uh, she got her message. Yeah. So this is the meaning of the Medrash. This is the meaning of the Medrash. Okay, Chavra, I'm going to wish you a beautiful day. And uh, may it be a day <laughs> that God could say, I chose this day. By we saying, we chose this day. It's not just a day that came to us randomly and fell into our lives, but it's a day that we really chose. And we can turn it, therefore, into a day that is chosen, that is powerful, that is meaningful, that reflects our personalities, our individual gifts, our creativity, our soulfulness, our passion for goodness and justice and righteousness. And then furthermore, to be able to turn it into a redemptive day, a gula day, a day in which I not only do good things and right things and make the world a better place, but a day in which I actually manage to break out, break out, of all of my limitations, fears, insecurities, shame, and that which obstructs consciously the flow of divine oneness through our systems, through our brains, through our hearts, through our behaviors. A day in which we become a v'shachanti b'seicham abeis hamikdash for Hashem's full presence. Have a great day. Thank you. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.